Hey, Stephanie Goss, you got a second to talk about guardian vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Yes. Um, and I'm sure you, you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up and the doctors are busy and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vet. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch and uh, Guardian Vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend. Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well, which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is drowning in phone calls. And so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that? Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on the uh, on the phones or up at the front desk, check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I am here today with the amazing Maria Perita, stepping in for her first time. I am so thrilled that she is here. Uh, Stephanie Goss is uh, off traveling right now, so Maria is coming in. And we are taking a question from our mailbag where someone says, Hey, I've worked at a vet practice that is doing some really shady stuff. When do you take your own vet practice to the state board? When do you talk to leadership and they're the ones doing the shady stuff and nothing's changing and this is not okay? What steps do you take and how aggressive do you need to be? We get into ethics. We're talking about ethics and how do we draw lines and how do we weigh consequences and the need to take action uh, with real world uh, survival and, uh, and, and working in a job and having real needs and and things like that. Knowing this in person, knowing that is an imperfect world and that people make mistakes and balancing that with, hey, some mistakes are not okay. And um, you guys are not fixing the problem. So anyway, guys, it is a really interesting episode. We get right into it. Let's just, let's get on into this episode. And now the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and the one and only practice manager, uh, new former practice manager, <laughs> new employee goddess, Maria Parita. Thank you for, uh, thanks for being here. Maria Parita stepping in for Stephanie Goss, who's traveling. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for that. I've never been called the goddess before. That's amazing. Oh, you're you're on the you're on the you're on the goddess squad. It's you yes. and you and Stephanie Goss <laughs> together now. Uh, there is no there is no uh, there is no other Stephanie Goss, but you but you are your own uh, you are your own celestial entity. <laughs> uh, thank, thanks for thanks for being here. Um, so. So for people who don't know you, because even a lot of our Uncharted members are like, you haven't, because of the world, uh, you haven't been at one of our live events yet. So we haven't even rolled that out. And so uh, let's get a quick background on you. You want to say, tell a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'd love to. I am, as you said, a former practice manager. I started in veterinary medicine about uh, 2013. And uh, before that, most of my experience was in management in other industries. 
And when I started in veterinary medicine, I actually took a pay cut to be a receptionist because I really wanted to work with animals and because I really wanted to work with for this particular doctor. And um, I found veterinary medicine to be like this interesting time capsule because it felt like the whole world was living in 2013, but veterinary medicine was living in like... (laughs) 1995. And I, um, it was just so, so interesting. And so I quickly started, you know, helping out that practice owner with a lot of just marketing stuff that I had done at other practices. And I became their director of PR and marketing for a few years. And then I became their practice manager for another few years. And in between there, I went to conferences and met a bunch of people and loved everything about veterinary medicine and the community and people. And I actually, I believe I was in a different podcast that was shared on a management group. Yeah. And uh, that I tagged Stephanie Goss in that because I talked about how I loved this podcast so much. And that's my first fangirl moment because she told me she listened to it in there. And I was like, oh my God, the Stephanie Goss listened to the podcast that I was in? No way. And uh, from there, I don't know, I just kept doing things. And and uh, then when I had to move and looking for a new job, the Uncharted team was looking and I was like, no way, everything is aligning. Yeah. And uh, I had been a fan of Dr. Andy Rourke. Yeah since probably 2013 also, because I think that's when I found your videos. Um, So it's kind of really amazing to be here. Uh, Really, I feel like the main character of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, Stephanie, uh, you you got to know Stephanie a bit. And then, yeah, when, uh, boy, Uncharted is growing like crazy. And uh, we we needed some more help in in all the things that we're doing. And Stephanie was like, I know somebody who I've, (laughs) been getting to know and i think she's i think she's our people and so yeah i was thrilled to meet you and i'm super glad that you're here all right let's go ahead and uh let's i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you co-pilot plane here which is a scary thing uh (laughs) but let's go ahead and get into this uh into this episode we got a mailbag question that i think that you are going to be great about uh so here here it goes uh, the oh, the subject line of the mailbag question was "Dare I bite the hand that feeds me?" And uh, good opener, well well played uh, to our sender. Can we talk about owners, managers, supervisors, and leads that break the rules and continue to get away with it? And not just any rules. I'm talking about things that go against our practice act. Do you have advice to support staff that are conflicted about reporting their boss or bosses to the board? I have witnessed horrible things at a former clinic, but my colleagues chose to keep their heads down because the uh, the violators were the ones who signed their paychecks. A few examples of things that went on include not establishing a VCPR before pre- prescribing medications, excessive restraint that resulted in death from asphyxiation, oh my God, uh, drowning as a form of euthanasia, that's horrible, and using expired medications on patients. After all, how can we hope for change in this field if we don't speak up for our patients or ourselves? All right, cool. So Maria, that's super heady stuff. Yeah. Let's go ahead and start sort of at a, at a high level here. That is such a, that hurt me uh, to my core a little bit because I felt so, yeah. uh, I felt so much when I read this. Uh, and uh, I, I think, you know, Ethically, this person knows what they have to do. And so that that's really important to me. Um, and I think that when we're when we're talking about this, it's 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 a hard place to be. It sounds like the the person that submitted this already left that practice too. And it sounds like they're they left behind a few people, yeah. which also makes it hard. Um, because I I can see where they're coming from on that. But I think that a lot of this is gonna be removing 
the guilt that this person's feeling for one and understanding that that yeah. they're they're already being kept up at night by this for even though they've already left the practice and that's something that's something to think about already yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I, I get that same. I do get that vibe as well that this person just left and it, this is still bothering them. All right. So I want to go ahead. Let's start at a headspace place with this. Um, and and the truth in a lot of these questions is that they they come off as black or white. Right. And And people very much like to say do this, do that. There's no questions. There's no gray. Well, there is a lot of, there is a lot of gray. And I'm not saying with the examples that, that, that she gives, that takes all the gray away from me in, in this specific case. But I want to talk about it more. I think a lot of people wrestle with the ethics of when do I say something and when do I report the place that I work or when do I, I make these or go up the chain, you know, to the regional director or, or go to the state board. Those are really big questions. And so, I don't want to get so tied to the specifics of this case that we just spend our time sort of ranting uh, and righteously sort of shaking our fists. Um, but I, I, I want to get more into like kind of how do you parse these things apart? When we start to talk about ethics, there's a there's a lot of different there's a lot of different shades of gray in how we look at this. So even the list of things that she gives, you know, doing medications when you don't have a valid VCPR is it depends. It, it, the details matter. And that is not the same as euthanasia by drowning, for God's sakes. Those are radically different. Those are radically different things. Yeah. Some people are like, why is Andy saying that they're, they're different? Again, but legally, they may not be different. Ethically, and I think it's a big point, right? There's, um, there's, there's three levels. I, I saw a, a, a TikTok video. Um, uh, there's, uh, her name is Tanasia, uh, I think it's uh, Crockett, I think is her last name. Uh, I just, I don't have it in front of me, but, uh, anyway, uh, she's, she's a veterinarian on, on, uh, Instagram is where I see her. I don't, I don't, I don't do the TikTok. I should, I mean, I get a lot of flack for not doing the TikTok, but I don't do the TikTok. <laughs> uh, and she was saying, she was like, um, she was talking about, about people asking her for advice. And she was like, what are we legally required to say? And what can we not say? And, and people make you feel bad. And how do you handle these things? And it really got me sort of thinking about like, where are the lines when we have to make these ethical decisions? And for me, there's three lines. There's uh, what's legal. Like, what am I legally bound to do? What am I liable yeah. for? And what am I ethically okay with? And sometimes something is legal, but I'm not ethically okay with it, you know? And, yeah. and sometimes mm, something is ethical, but, I, but, but legally it's not allowed. And so I think we just separate those things out. Are you on board with that? Absolutely. And especially because so many different things can vary from state to state in general, as far as legality in the first place. And so we have, we have, yeah. you know, people that maybe started in one state and then moved to another one. And especially when you have people conversing back and forth about those things. So as I'm reading this mailbag entry and I see the VCPR thing, I thought the same exact thing. In some cases, depending on what is needed from the patient, it is a, it is a gray zone. And some of the other things that you mentioned, absolutely yeah. not. And, and so it's, it is definitely, I, I agree a hundred percent with that. So I mean, th there, um, are, there are kind of over the top examples with the VCPR thing where it's like, yeah, this person is calling and they're, they're in like rural North Dakota and they're like, I, I'm two hours away and there's no other help. And you know, this is happening and you go, oh, you know, uh, I, I'm the only vet for 200 miles. That's not most of our realities. And it's not willy nilly. But would I say, oh, my gosh, this veterinarian, you know, uh, 
this veterinarian did a euthanasia without doing a physical examination and establishing a VCPR. It's like the pet was dying and suffering and that's what was going to happen. I think the idea of, you know, putting them through a formal process of establishing a relationship, but that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think it makes sense to anybody else. I don't think, I don't see anybody doing that, but I just try to inject some, some shades of gray into this and say, these, these things in my mind are, are not the same. Using expired medications. I was like, you know what? I have a hundred percent seen vets give expired medications to patients when the pet owners can't afford um, medications. Yep. And, and again, that's not, yeah. I'm not endorsing that. That is kind of old school, but I, I do remember a time when I've seen it done before. And it's like, Hey, this stuff is expired. So we were going to get rid of it, but you do not have any money. You don't have two nickels to rub together and your pet is, is sick. I, you know, don't I, take, you know, take this medication because we, we can't sell it. And we're going to throw it out. Yeah. That's a very common one too, that I would say is I've seen as well in practice. And <clears throat> again, same, same thing. Like you, you have a person standing right in front of you, can't afford medications. You have these expired ones that you can't sell anyway. And what do you do? Uh, and absolutely there's these, these lines that we, we have to follow, but at the same time, where do we come up with, you know, and how do we support our staff with the, with making those decisions too. Well, if we don't explain what we're thinking to the staff, then they often will make sort of their own uh, assumptions about what's happening and why it's happening. I think that is as much a problem as the actual decisions that often get made is, I made this decision. Let's just say that I'm in the exam room and I'm talking to this person. They've made it clear to me they do not have any funds at, at, you know, at all. And I've got some medication that's literally a week uh, expire that I, that I never, you know, that I have to get rid of. And I'm like, Hey, look, just, you know, just take this. And again, I would never do that because that would be illegal and I would never do anything like that. But if someone did at <laughs> some point in the past do something like that, because they really felt like it was ethically the right thing to do. And someone else on the team saw that and didn't understand that conversation was like, is work you know, unloading expired medicines. I, I think that that's where, where some of that stuff comes from. And so anyway, I, so I break that out into there's legality, which is, what does the law say? There's liability, which is, what can you get sued for? And, and, and again, that's not really what we're talking about here, but it is important when people ask questions, meaning um, you might be able to give advice to someone without seeing their pet. But if that advice is bad because you didn't see the pet and you, uh, I know this is a shocker. Sometimes pet owners tell you that things are happening that are not actually happening. And sometimes what they tell you is going on is 100% not going on. <laughs> and anyone who's ever walked into the exam room, you know, like what percentage yeah. of, of the appointments do we see their schedule? There's like pet owners says this is happening and you walk in like that's not remotely what is going on. <laughs> yeah. like, we see that all day long in the clinic. But then someone who walks up to us and just tells us what's happening and we just take it at face value. Like, oh, that's it. Anyway, it may not be illegal. You still may get burned badly because you gave advice based on what they told you. That was not correct. And, and the advice you gave was good, but what you got was not. And now they said, the doctor told me blank. And so that may not be illegal, but you're going to get dragged through the mud because you stuck your neck out here. And the last one is the ethical part, which is, you know, does this check your ethical boxes? So those are the big things. Those are the big things for me. I think, I think, I think asking, so we got this question from someone who said, Hey, I'm seeing the higher ups do these things. And so 
I'm, we're going to put in action steps kind of how to ask about this. But I, I really think a couple things that come to my mind is, you know, seek first to understand. And again, some of these th- examples that are given, I go, I, there's no seeking first to understand. But, but I think for a lot of these questions, like the VCPR thing, uh, the expired medication thing, I think, that, I think that there may be value in sort of saying, what happened there? What's going why, why, we, why are we doing this? And, and asking. And um, it's funny because people go, but what if I get in trouble for asking? And I'm like, well, good. Then, then they're making your life easier on you, I think. Yeah. And, and it definitely depends the type of culture that you're, um, you're cultivating at your practice and what you have there. But if you're in a, if you're in a practice where you can't even ask, then, then they're making that decision for you, definitely, because you shouldn't, you shouldn't have yes. to deal with that. You shouldn't have to deal with that at all. And I'm a big, um, I'm a big believer that I actually like people questioning me a lot because I feel like it really does make me a better person. Yeah. And that's exactly how uh, in the clinic it feels as well. When people question things, obviously seek to understand 100%. Um, but it does in the end make yeah. us better, better better people, even in, in veterinary medicine as well. You know, there's so many different ways in which we yeah. grow and we learn and asking questions is number one always. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And there are people who don't like to be questioned. And I think that that's, that's, that's a... That's a flaw. I, I talk sometimes about like when I was younger, I had this idea that like being a good leader meant you were like General Patton and you would just tell people <laughs> what to do. And they were like, I don't understand, but he's a really great leader. And so I'm going to do what he says. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, and I thought that that was what we aspired to. And like, that's garbage, man. A, a great yeah. leader is Kermit the Frog and Kermit the Frog gets questioned all the time. Everybody's <laughs> like, but Kermit, what about this? And but the reason they question him is because they trust him. Yes. And so if you work in a place where leadership is not to be questioned, um, that to me, that ind- ind- indicates insecurity by the leadership or mm-hmm. a lack of trust by the people who don't ask questions. If you're a leader and nobody questions about your de- about your decisions, they don't trust you. And that's that's a real problem. Yep. And so I, I think that you're totally right. There's actually some research in the human side of medicine, which I think is really good when it, it comes to how do we ask questions or question decisions that are being made? And one of the things I really took out of it, I think it's really interesting is timing is your friend. Meaning, if you have questions about why this, this, it's a whole lot better to say them up front than to wait until we've done the thing and it's in the past and you're like, hey, I want to talk about what happened yesterday. Because then that really feels like more of a, a decision was made and now I'm challenging the decision, which may need to happen. But um, it's just, it's an easier conversation if when it's happening and you're getting these medications together, that's the time when say, hey, I'm getting this stuff together. Yeah. Help me understand what we're, what we're doing here, just, just so I know. And ask it and in that moment that is going on, because obviously that, that gives the person a heads up to maybe reconsider their actions. Um, but also it, it doesn't feel as, as challenging as, hey, I want to come back in and go over what we did yesterday, sort of in the heat of the moment. Uh, and again, that's just that's just general how to sort of question the decisions that are being made in a medical setting 101. Yeah. And I think when we look at ourselves, too, most of us would rather be questioned in the moment. You know, I'm I'm the kind of person that if yeah. you come at me later on, it, it kind of hurts me a little bit. And it's like, why didn't why didn't you say anything yesterday? <laughs> why are we talking about this today? And so yeah. Yeah. timing is crucial. Um, and if you've cultivated like we, yeah. we talked yeah. about that leadership where people trust you to be able to bring that up in the moment. I mean, that's important. Yeah. Well, the other thing is I can't do anything about what I did yesterday. You know what I mean? Like 
if, if there's definitely times that I, I'm not perfect. And, and in the moment, sometimes, you know, we, you're trying to help people or it's always, always coming from a good place, but you go, you, you make a decision. And then the next day someone goes, well, why did you do that? And I'm like, well, why didn't you ask me that yesterday when we were doing it? And we could have, <laughs> cha- you know, we could have fixed it or we could have done, done something differently. It's, it's 100%. It's just, and, but again, that, that you're really, you're right when you put your finger on and say, it comes down to that trust. It's like, man, I want to work with techs that trust me enough to say in the moment, Annie, hey, what are we doing here? And, and I'll go, okay. Because if I cannot explain it to the techs, what, you know, without couching terms, I should reconsider what I'm doing. It's just a good ethical check or, and also just a, uh, we're talking about ethics, but honestly, it's just a good medicine check. If my techs who, I, who are smart and well-trained say, Andy, what are we doing here? It makes me stop and go, what are we doing here, Andy? Let's, let's, run, let's run through the, the thought process and make sure that we're not doing something boneheaded, having a brain fart, <laughs> things like that. I really want my techs to say something. I don't want them to, to be like, we thought you knew what you were doing, so we didn't say anything. And now you have to call the client and tell them that you gave them the wrong medication or whatever dumb thing I made, uh, I did. So anyway, I, I, I like that a lot. I, I, I agree. And I'm so glad you said that too, because I think for a lot of the listeners too, it's really, really important for technicians to be able to question, especially in that moment, because there, I will say this right now, doctors do make mistakes and I have caught some before. Yeah. And I still remember the yeah. first time that that happened. It was, it was this minor dosing thing, but I literally looked at it and I was like, mm, mm-hmm. that's not right. That can't be right. And I did the calculations like four times because I was like, but the doctor did this. So it has to be right. And I'm doing it. I did it again. I did it again. And I was so nervous to be bring it up. And then I did. And the doctor was immediately like, Oh, my God, thank you so much. I don't know where my head was when I was doing that calculation. And if you wouldn't have brought that up to me, I wouldn't, you know, and immediately I felt that sense of relief, because I knew that that practice that I was working at was it was giving me that opportunity to bring that up. To not, and this was because I was new that I was nervous. That was the only reason. Normally, I'm not as nervous to bring it up. And it was also, again, the doctor. And and we have this this mentality that doctors don't make mistakes, but they do. And it's up to us, you know, technicians or even receptionists, because receptionists can catch those too. Um, We should be able to have that that uh, openness, that trust to to question things. And it sounds like at this particular clinic, they might not have had that. Yeah, I completely agree. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm on board with you. Ask the question. I, I really, and I, I reached out to other doctors. I, I, I have made, I am a human being. I have made mistakes in my life. I have seen the best doctors I know make mistakes in my life. I remember at one point I was working with other doctors I, I respected absolutely hugely. I mean, just a fan-freaking-tastic doctor. And we ordered atropine. We ordered a replacement of atropine. And small animal atropine, and forgive me if, if my numbers are wrong, but this is basically how I remember it. Um, I think small animal atropine is one mg per kg and large animal atropine, which is in a flipping identical bottle, <laughs> identical bottle, is like 10 mg per kg. And maybe it's maybe it's small animals 10 mg per kg and, and large animals 100 mg per kg. It was like a t- it was a tenfold difference in atropine strength between small animal and large animal. And the bottles were freaking identical, except it literally said small instead of large, and it was the milligram strength oh on the bottle yep. in normal type. Yep. And um and yeah, and so so the large animal atropine, which I don't know why we got large animal atropine or where it came from, um, it it gets drawn up and it gets in it's, it gets injected, and now we got everything worked out fine. We had to sort the thing out. That 
that dog did not spit for like three days uh, <laughs> because it was dry as a bone. But, um, but, but you know, the, those are like, the, the, those things happen. And if someone had said, hey, this, this is a different strength atropine than we usually use. And that would have been cool. Like, that would be great. I don't think anyone noticed it. I don't think anybody, but like, those are the types of things that happened. I saw it happen to a great doctor. And like, I, I had no idea that bottle aperture was different. Um, but, but anyway, like, that's, I, I think I put that out because I always want to give people permission just to say, hey, I, you know, come, come from a place of curiosity. We always say that with giving feedback, right? Is, hey, I just want to confirm I understand what's going on. Or, hey, I just want to check and make sure I'm doing what you want me to do here. And those are some of the, the words that I like because I feel like they're very not challenging. Hey, I, I just want to make sure I understand so I can, so I can support you here. Why, why are we doing this? Uh, what's the story? Or sorry, what's going on here? Um, and, 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 and be able to ask those questions. I, I, I think that that is really good. Um, I think that if you're in a culture where that is not tolerated, I think that that is, should be a huge waving red flag, for, especially if anything has to do with ethics, with anything that has to do with medical care. If you're not afraid, if you're afraid to speak up, I, I think that that's, that's bad. So just generally starting to get that stuff in, in my, um, in my in my head, uh, other big things when we come to ethics are and so because again we're trying to say where is the line where I'm going to the state board with this? Like I'm going I'm going above and beyond. I I tend to think of two things when I think of ethical questions. One is intention and one is harm, and um and I weigh those things in. Meaning for me, uh, people who are doing things that they're trying to hide. That's a big deal for me. That, that to me, that's a sign mm-hmm. that someone knows that they're acting unethically, and they're and they're intentionally uh, and they're intentionally covering it up. And I go, "Ooh, you know this is bad," which is why you're hiding it. Um, that that's a big flag for me, and especially uh, if when we get into ethics and stuff, especially if it's a pattern. Uh, but even one time, at one time, I go, "Ooh." And I, I check myself with that too. Sometimes I say, hey, if I make a decision and I would be embarrassed for my team to know that I made that decision, that's a, that's a red flag as far as me and just in my values and how I want to run my business and how I want to treat the people who, who work for me. I, I want to live my life in a way where uh, you can't really catch me because I don't really, I'm not going to do anything that I'm going to be embarrassed about. And like that's, you know, that's kind of, uh, that's what I, I sort of aspire to. And it may, I found I found it makes life simpler. I'm a horrible liar. I found, that out, I found that out early in life. I'm a terrible liar. And so just don't ask me to be untruthful because I'm really bad at it. It's funny that Somebody you... Somebody would walk in the building and be like, what's bothering work? It's funny that you say oh, that. Oh, trying not to lie. I am the same way. I'm a terrible liar. And I learned that uh, early on as well. And to this day, um, people will ask me like, hey, Maria, can you keep a secret? I'll be like... It depends because I'm a horrible liar. So if it's going to require <laughs> for me to lie, then the answer is no. Uh, but if if if, uh, if it's not going to require me lying, then yeah, yeah, sure, I could keep it. Um, but yeah, absolutely. When somebody's trying you, to hide, can you keep a yeah. secret under questioning? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, it, it depends. The is no. If I'm questioned, no. <laughs> yeah. exactly. If I'm questioned, no. But if it's yeah, no, no, no. Especially, <laughs> I have friends who uh, I have to tell them that immediately uh, when they're having uh, usually babies, you know, oh, can you keep a secret? I'm pregnant. I'm like, why did you tell me that? No, I can't keep a secret. You need, 
I need to not talk to anybody for like nine months or however long you want to keep the secret. Obviously not nine months, yeah. but um Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they keep it a secret for nine months. I'm like, that is a secretive person. Nine. I think it's going to show after a few months. Um, no, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I need, I need to, I need to let people know immediately. I can't, I can't lie. Um, and uh, especially, I agree with you when they're trying to hide something. And to me, the repeated pattern is the big one. When you have that repeated pattern yeah. of doing something and then trying to hide it. That that's a big thing. And we talk about wanting to own up to our mistakes all the time because you do, you have to own up to your mistakes and people make them and it's okay. And when you're trying to hide them, that's, that's where you're crossing a line of, well, that's, that's now yeah. not okay because we're not learning from that yeah. and we're not and, growing. Yeah. I like that. And, and also it's, to me, it is admission that you know, this is not right. And, and you know, it's, yeah, it, you know, it's not right and you're not moving to to fix it. And so that, that's a big thing for me. I said, I said intention, and I said harm. And harm is the big one. You know, uh, the, our, our, our veterinary oath is, you know, to do, to do no harm. If people are, are making decisions that are causing harm, that's a big deal for me. You know, um, yeah. failing to write up your medical records, that's a, you shouldn't do that. You should write your medical records and they should be good. That to me is not in the same realm as, you know, um, as not providing the pain medications you said you were going to provide. I, I, I had experience one time early, early in my career. And, and this is actually, uh, it was back when I was still in training. There was a, a, a technician that I did not know until it all went down at the end, but we had someone who was stealing drugs and, uh, replace and replacing the injectable opioids with uh, saline oh, no. and they're injecting these painful pets with saline. And, um, man, I hope that guy burns in hell. Yeah. Uh, pardon, pardon me. Like that's, you know, but that's, that's really, I was really, uh, I was really bothered by that because that hits right on my harm button. When I say harm, harm is, is real. Like I'm much more, I'm much more open to, to problems with record keeping or, <laughs> or clear communication. But, uh, for me, th those are big things is, uh, what are the intentions here? And if they're negative intentions or the intention to hide things, that bothers me. Is it a pattern? That bothers me. Does it cause harm? That bothers me. All of those things. I'm just trying to, to kind of lay down from a headspace standpoint how I parse those, you know what I mean? The, the ethical things in my, in my category of severity. There are some things where I'm going to talk to the person. There are some things when I, um, I'm, I'm going to go to the person's boss. And there are some things where I'm going to go stay bored. And, and you kind of have to decide where on that sort of spectrum you are. And, and I hate to say it, but um, some of it depends on who you are. Meaning, if there's a doctor in the practice who's doing uh, things that, that I have ethical problems with, if I'm a doctor, I'm going to go talk to that person, you know, and I'm going to go talk to the practice manager. If you're a technician, you have to work with that person and under that person, and they have organizational power over you, and they can make your life really hard. I don't blame you if it's harder for you to go and, and confront that person. I, I think a lot of times we say, you should just go do it. And I go, let's be realistic here. You, we, you need to do what's right. But at the same time, you, let's not kid ourselves about the consequences of engaging someone who's higher up the chain. And you just need to be ready to deal with those consequences. And like, you know, if you're a single parent struggling to make ends meet, working your butt off, and this is the only job in the area that you can get, um, you're probably going to feel differently about having these bold, righteous conversations with the doctor. That doesn't mean you're not going to do it. And again, it goes back to those to those degrees. At some point, you say, "My soul is worth more than anything else." But I would not. 
I would not look down on somebody who said I was, I was afraid to do it. And I was in a place where I couldn't afford to, to do this. And it didn't rise to the level that I was like, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, I, I, I understand that. I guess I'm just trying to, to inject some nuance into it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's very situational in so many different ways too, because for me, one of the things that I thought about, as, as I said earlier, is if it's, if this is something that's keeping me up at night, it's affecting my mental health. How much anxiety is it giving me? How much, how much is it affecting me outside of the scope of, of the practice? And in those kinds of cases, you, you do need to make a decision and it's going to require you thinking about everything. Um, it's, this is where I also, as a manager, I feel like it's, it's extremely important to have something in place to allow, to give your employees that ability to report things that they might have not agreed with, even in an anonymous stance so that they can be, um, investigated later on, because that is, that is something where like you might get somebody and, and as a manager, you want to know when those things are happening because you can't be everywhere and you want to give your, your team members that ability to maybe I don't feel comfortable enough to bring this up to management because I'm afraid then there are going to be repercussions here in the clinic about it. And I don't, I don't Mm want to get fired over this, but at the same time, it does need to be reported internally within the clinic. And that's where having a system to report things, whether anonymously giving the facts and that then can be investigated are going to, it's going to be important in your practice. Yeah. I, I, I love that you say that too. And that, that's sort of a leadership, uh, that's really a leadership management button is to say, you should have a, you should have systems in place where people who say things that they don't like or they don't think are acceptable can can report those things up and um it's it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a huge thing uh, but there should be some way that they can then can pass these things up the chain or 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 deliver them in a, in a safe way even if there's like hey um I'd love it if you came forward and talked to me but if you feel afraid to do that I am happy to take anonymous information especially about ethical violations and, and run that down. That, that's just kind of management 101. I think um, when we get to the place where, where leadership is actively doing this stuff, I think that puts people in a much harder place. Maria, let's, let's take a break here. And then when we come back, let's, let's get into really the meat and potatoes of like, what do, we, what do we do about this? Okay, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Guys, I just want to jump in real quick with two updates. Number one, the Uncharted Get Shit Done Shorthanded Virtual Conference is right on top of us. It is October 6th through the 8th. It is online. Grab your spot. This is all about efficiency, getting things done when you don't have a lot of manpower and when people are tired. That's what it's all about. You can check out the information on unchartedvet.com to learn more about that conference. But 6th through the 8th, get on it. And then I want to put another thing on your calendar. This is October the 19th. This is leveraging technicians, making practice less stressful for you, them, and your patients. This is with Melissa in Trekin, who is an LBT. She's amazing. She's fantastic. She's been working with us uh, over here in Uncharted on the Dr. Andy Rook side of the house recently. I'm a big, big fan of hers. Uh, she's going to be running this from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern. That is 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific time. This is free to Uncharted members. It's $99 to the public. Put links to both of these down in the show notes. Guys, I hope to see you there. Let's get back into this episode. All right, so let's get in, let's get into the action steps here, and um, and I just want I'm going to keep this at the general level of I have ethical concerns about what's happening in our practice, and I don't want to do. I, I think I think the first thing for me, I think uh, I think you and I started with this with the headspace pretty well. I, I I try to always assume good intent about people. 
If people are doing something that I don't understand, I don't assume, I, I try not to assume that they're doing something shady, that they're trying to keep secrets or skirt the rules. I, I don't, you know, seek first to understand. And of course, obviously, it's like, if I see someone stabbing someone else, I'm not going to be like, I'm assuming good intent here. Like, no, I, I got it. That's bad. Um, but, mm-hmm. but for most things, uh, <laughs> when I go, hmm, what is happening here? It's better for me to come from a place of curiosity than from accusation, at least until I figure out, until I know what's going on. And then we're going to make decisions based on that. But jumping to conclusions is often a mistake. So I would start with that. How does that feel to you as far as a sort of an opening position? I, I love what you just said about jumping to conclusions, actually, because um, it reminds me a lot of when I'm driving. I like to imagine that everybody has a big pot of chili in their back uh, backseat, because that's usually when I get angry as I'm driving and somebody cuts me off. And I'm like, I get angry immediately. And I'm like, oh, this person just cut me off for no reason. And I have to yeah. think, no, they have a big pot of chili in the back. I can't jump like maybe that person has got somewhere that they really need to be and maybe they've got an emergency going on. And it's kind of something that you can apply within your own clinic all the time, too, is don't jump to conclusions. Look at for the intention. Look for what was happening and understand. Okay, I have questions Um, to you (laughs) having an emergency, having somewhere you need to be equates to a big pot of chili in the back. Is that no. <laughs> First of all, that can be an emergency and a lot of I was like, I imagine them having a baby in the back and you're like, no, they have chili. It could be <laughs> so it depends all about the the pot of chili comes from one time uh we were okay. driving very slowly because I had a big pot of chili in my lap and it and it was warm because I wanted to get there warm. <laughs> and okay. uh we were driving really slowly <laughs> and somebody got angry at me because <laughs> We were driving slowly. And so I, I think about that moment is because, it, you know, I had a big pot of chili. <laughs> so to me, that's what I go to is I have to imagine that they have a big pot of chili. It's it's a metaphor for there could be something else going on that you don't know about. <laughs> now, I was just wondering, like, at what, at what point did Maria become food motivated to the point that she's like, I bet there's chili involved in this situation. Like, I, that totally makes sense. I love it. <laughs> Well, right. I am food motivated, so you're not <laughs> wrong about that. <laughs> no, I am as well, which is when you said that, they, maybe they got chili. I'm like, well, you don't want to spill that. So, yeah, anyway, okay. No, I, I'm, I'm on board. I'm glad, there's a, I'm glad there's a story to that. I was like, I'm missing this whole chili emergency. There's something I feel like I could be worrying about that I've never worried about before. Okay, number one, number one is assume they have chili and good intentions. And, then, and the second one is ask the question. And, and when we talked about ask it in the moment. Just ask the question, like, hey, help me understand what's going on here. I want to make sure I'm supporting you well. I, I, I don't understand this decision. And if you're too afraid of where you work to ask that question, that's not good. And I don't want that for you. Um, I think that, and again, I, I want to give people grace here and say, I understand everybody works for different people in some places that really would be a hard ask and there would be negative repercussions that most of us wouldn't have to deal with. And, and I, I get it. At the same time, you pick your poison in this life, which means you can either wonder about what was going on and what you were involved in, or you can ask the question. And those are your two options of ask the question and get some more information, or don't ask the question and continue to wonder, or have to ask the question later on, which is, as we said, less ideal than just asking it now. And so at some point, you have to pick your poison. And I would say, if this is bothering you, say just just ask. Come again. This that ties into assume good intent. I'm not, I'm not trying to 
accuse anybody of anything. I just want to understand what's going on and just just ask the question. And then and then you brought this up before. This is number three for me is uh, document. And, and I I don't think that people, when there are things like ethical issues, bullying is a really a big one for me. Um, any, anything that, that borders on sexual harassment, anything like that, if you're involved in these things or you see these things, uh, write them down. Uh, just It doesn't have to be anywhere public. It can be on your computer. Write down the date. Write down the approximate time. Write down what you saw. Write down as best you can remember what exactly was said. Just write it down. And if you never use it, that's great. But if it comes down to a thing where you say this happened and somebody else said it did not happen, if you can reach into your uh, into your locker and pull out the document that says, on this day, in this room, at this time, these people were there, and this is what you said, and this is what you did, then um, that is a huge deal compared to someone saying, "I you did this, the other person said, I, I did not do that. And so whether you report it up or not, you should go ahead and start to just to document things like that that you're concerned about. You'll never be like, darn, I'm so angry I wrote that down. You can 100% be the, feel the opposite way. And so I, I really like your idea of documenting. So where, where do we go from here, Maria? I think it, like we talked about this, it's, it's really going to be dependent on the situation and what was going on. But I agree 100% with the documentation, with everything that you said earlier about about the situation. Um, if this is something that is is the situ- where it's completely out ethics and you can tell and you documented it and you went from here and you've brought it up to management and this is nothing that you can do about it, then then you have no choice but to go ahead and go to the board and and do what you yeah. need to do. I mean, there's there's no there's no ifs, ass and buts about it. If you've tried to bring this up internally yeah. and there's no changes, because at the end of the day, we did take oaths, most of us, even if you didn't, we went into this field to help animals. And this is something that's not helping animals. And so as much as we as we don't ever yeah. want to have to be in that situation, you've done what you could. And now you're at this point and you have to do what you have to do. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I don't I don't know how to advise someone other, beyond what we said of, um, you know, weighing weighing intention, weighing a pattern of behavior, and weighing harm. Uh, is, you know, is harm being done to animals? Is harm being done to people? Is harm being done to the community? Is harm being done to the coworkers? Um, and all those things factor in. At some point, you always have to, you know, there's a, a, an idea in Buddhism I talk about a, a lot. Um, life is suffering. Uh, it's just this idea that life is always hard. And the greatest empowerment that we have is choosing how we struggle. And I think that this is very true with ethical issues. At some point, you have two choices. You can go on, uh, you can you can go on as you are, or you can um, or you can push to make change. And while I say it that way, everyone's like, "Oh yeah," and you're saying you should always push to make change. And I'm saying, no. Sometimes you choose to struggle as you are because it's a bridge too far, or it's not an infraction that you think warrants going to the state board. Um, you know, you're not being lazy, you just don't. Yeah, it's it ticks me off that I went to the boss and the boss didn't do anything. But is it worth me, you know, do I want to go through this headache, this effort of going onto the state board? Um, I have to ask myself that question, because that's really the only question is, is, do, is this how I want to struggle? Do I want to, to do this? Or do I want to struggle living with the knowledge that I did not go to the state board. 
and and that's it like that's that's a hundred percent kind of kind of where where we end up in the end and i think i think that's a lot to balance i think it's very nuanced i think you know in this person who's writing they give they give a long list of serious things so to me i go that's pattern uh, that's a pattern and there are things that cause significant harm um to me those check all of my ethical boxes of i'm appealing up the chain um because this is not okay with me it's not okay yeah it's not okay with me and i feel emotional pain having been involved in this or knowing that this is here and it's continuing on and from an ethical standpoint i'm not not okay with this and i'm i'm i have chosen i pick my poison and it is I am going to stand up and say something and say, this is not okay. Um, we all have to make those, those uh, choices. It depends on the individual thing that you're dealing with. And then also uh, when things become a pattern, to me, that's a big deal. Um, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody, uh, every, everybody makes mistakes. And it's just part of being human. And again, there are some mis- mistakes that you don't get forgiven for. And that's true. Most of us, um, most of us make human mistakes uh when we have a pattern of mistakes that's that's something different when we refuse to correct or apologize for mistakes that we have made and we show no intention of changing our behaviors all of those things matter to me a lot in trying to make these decisions yeah i completely agree with you on that is there anything else that i'm forgetting here as far as trying to make this call this is kind of a messy one but boy ethics are ethics are generally messy yeah i feel like honestly we could talk we could ha- make this like six episodes because it's such a it's such a messy yeah. situation and it's such a there's so many different things that are need to be involved for all for this to all go right. the right way and so and situations are different and people are different and clinics are different and laws and are different in different states too. So it's just, it, yeah. we could talk about this for a really long time, but at the end core of it, it's, it's exactly what you said, Andy. It really is. Oh, well, thanks buddy. Hey, thank you so much for being here with me, Maria. I appreciate it. Um, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, take care of yourselves and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. <laughs> and that is our episode. Guys, that's what I got for you. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, thanks to Maria coming out. Uh, first time having her on the podcast. I cannot wait to have her on many more times with me and Stephanie and uh, gang. Uh, I got to stop right here for a quick second and just say thanks to Banfield. I got to give them a shout, a shout out. Guys, they uh, sponsor our transcripts. They, they are all about inclusivity and accessibility uh, in our profession. And they uh, made transcripts possible for our podcast, which we could not otherwise do. So big thanks to them. Find them at unchartedvet.com. Guys, that's it. That's all I got for you. Take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you later on. Bye.